Hey everyone, this is Matt Downing with Rethinking EDU, and I'm really excited to be with our guest tonight on a Knowledge Drop episode. As you know, we are currently in a series on networks, but these knowledge drops allow the co-hosts like myself to have conversations that might not fit neatly into our current series, but we feel like the topics are relevant and important to the current educational conversation. And I am thrilled to be with Jenny De La Cruz on this knowledge drop episode. Jenny is a Haitian-American writer and a licensed counselor who's the founder of Cobbs Creek Publishing. She's a wife and a mom of two boys. She was born and raised in New York, which made her aware of the importance of diversity and how much each person has a story that weaves back generations. In her counseling practice, Jenny specializes in family conflicts, trauma, grief, and parenting issues. She has written two picture books, Fridays with Miss Melange, Haiti, and Mama, Can I Sleep With You Tonight? On top of that, Jenny has a YouTube channel called Storytime with Miss Melange, where she reads diverse children's books aloud. Jenny, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me, Matt. <laughs> and how's, how's the summer in the De La Cruz household? You know, to be honest with you, you know, I am like the summer camp, uh, advisor and i'm also <laughs> working <laughs> and so it's been like a juggling act you know but mm -hmm. i'm just glad you know i'm not doing this alone with other parents and families who are who we're all in the struggle together you know trying to yeah. make it through so so what are some of the activities for uh jenny's summer summer camp well, you know, I'm trying to be intentional. My my six-year-old, he just learned how to tie his shoes. So that was something we've been working on. So I am thrilled about that, you know. Gives me a break, my back a break. And, uh, yeah, we're just working on trying to um, just keep them active. Because I find that when, when kids are running around, you know, they they sleep better. And so that's a win-win situation for mm. all of us, you know. Yeah, I bet they're uh, going to sleep good in the midst of all this heat. Um, I know that takes them out, takes it out of the kids. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So as this conversation gets started, I, I wanted to start talking about your counseling experience, as that's been where a lot of your work has been um, focused. Are you able to give a brief overview of some of your counseling work for our listeners? Sure, sure. Um, when I started in my counseling career, um, I started working with children and families in um, Philadelphia, and uh, I would say that my focus was primarily on play therapy and also doing um, trauma work. So working with children who experience um, just um, abuse and children who have a hard time dealing with change um, in their environment. Mm -hmm. And so that was like my um, specialty. And I, I've, I've been working with children for about, I wanna say 10 years in the last five years or so, I, I started more primarily working with um, adults, couples and um, groups, uh, running support groups. So Jenny, as you're working with um these adult groups? Is it primarily the adults? Are there kids involved? What does that look like? 
Well, you know, to be honest with you, uh, currently there are, I'm working with uh, mothers and, um, and these support groups, they occur in the evening because of course, you know, with my kids, I have to put them down before I really get into my um, virtual therapy. And so, so now they are primarily adults, but in the past I have uh, ran support groups for children and for children and families. Now you said virtual uh, therapy. I'm sure that's been new um, for you. So w what's that been like trying to interact and counsel people and help them in a virtual setting where I'm sure you're used to the face-to-face -face interaction? Yeah, um, you know, I would say that, yeah, for majority of my clients prior to COVID, was um, face to face. I did have a few virtual clients, maybe like three okay. or four, because there were people who were either handicapped or uh, had a disability or maybe were in the military and wanted um, that therapy, but it was never to this, you know, um, degree. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I would say that it's definitely, um, it was interesting for, for many of my. Uh, families and individuals I was working with, it was something to get used to. But I find that people, they appreciate um, the connection. They appreciate the time to, to, to find a safe place to share and unwind so that they can thrive, you know. And I, I see that it, it is working for families and for uh, adults. And I also find that, um, you know, it's really a, uh, a place where people can be comfortable, you know, because it's in their home. Mm. You don't have to worry about transportation, you know. Um, and so it does uh, break down different barriers. Hmm. Yeah, way. I never really thought about that, how a positive could be, you know, creating some comfort um, that they wouldn't have otherwise. That That's interesting. Um, now, you do have some experience in the education in schools. Um, what was that experience like? Yeah, and so uh, I actually have experience working in, in elementary and middle schools, uh, providing individual counseling to children. And I also would run support groups for grief and anger management. And so that was definitely, um, you know, I would say that I enjoyed um, connecting with the students um, when I was in that environment. And I find that it really helped children uh, to just ground themselves, to know that they can come to my office if they were having a bad day mm. um, during my office hours, just to process and share their uh, feelings and thoughts about whatever they were dealing with, and then um, go back to the classroom. It's almost like they had a safe place yeah. um, to go to. So thinking about education, because you, you do have some experience there within the building, sort of understanding the inner workings and, and the importance of it, and also some of the challenges of it as well. Um, why do you think it is so important to incorporate counseling within education? Yeah, you know, I believe that it's really crucial because um, I do believe that when students come to school, many times they are dealing with um, issues at home, in their personal lives, mm -hmm. in their social life with their friends that can really get in the way of them really um, learning and developing. 
as a student yeah. to their full potential. And sometimes uh, they really need a place to more so unpack, like you're carrying these bags, right? Mm -hmm. And they're heavy. And it's only, you can only go so <laughs> far, you know, without wearing yourself down. So you, it's almost like they can come by and unpack. And I'll give you an example. You know, I had a, a hmm. student who was, had to be 12 years old, um, coming back from some summer break, right? And, you know, the, the staff noticed something was different. They didn't know what was up, but, you know, Miss Delacruz, you have to talk to him. He's not paying attention. He's acting up in class. Um, hmm. He's, you know, being defiant. And, you know, they was just, just, I don't know what's going on with him. So, you know, I met with him a few times and um, he shared with me that he had a court date coming up and he had to be a witness, a witness to a time hmm. where during the summer, his mother was experiencing domestic violence and the boyfriend pulled a gun out and he tried to defend his mother. And that was traumatic. Wow. And, and thank goodness everyone was safe. You know, she was able to, to get a protective order, but because a court date was coming up, that was a trigger for him. And he, and no one knew this was going on. And once he was able to let it out and share it and share it also with some of his close teachers, you could immediately see um, first of all, the support that he was getting now, you know, the teacher was like, oh my goodness, move with compassion, mm. let's support this, this student. But he also felt like he was heard and it really changed the whole playing field for that student. Hmm. Yeah. What a, what a powerful example to share, to show, um, you know, the importance of counseling. If, if you weren't there and those structures weren't in place, you know, like you said, that kid wouldn't be able to take those bags off and wouldn't be able to unpack and um, and and really get help to to work through with within school. Again, this is your experience or also just just kind of your your thoughts, you know, because you're in in this world thinking about this a lot. What do you think has been done well um, in regards to counseling within school systems? Well, one thing I'm really encouraged by, Matt, is the fact that almost every school you enter in this country, there is either a counselor, a social worker, a guidance counselor. So I do believe that, hmm. uh, you know, people are getting a message that um, this role is crucial, having someone there to really address um, the mental health needs of the student body. Um, I, th I, th I really believe yeah. that's something that is um, going well. And I also believe that, at least from my experience, um, the school staff really do try to coordinate care and have uh, meetings to make sure that uh, not only that the, their student in mind or the students are getting um, the best um education, but they like to coordinate with you to say, hey, so how can we best serve our students? I'll have teachers ask, ask me to observe their classrooms and to say, can you give me any pointers to how I can be more sensitive oh, to wow. my students or, or anything I might be missing? And, and so I do think that, you know, um, we can learn from each other. And sometimes I'll ask a teacher, 
for pointers as how I can best support them and vice versa. And so I think having that team uh, work approach is really key. And I, I have found that in, in the schools that hmm. I've been at. Yeah, I don't that that would be great if teachers did that more. They invited the the counseling services and uh, social workers and other people into their rooms to get to get advice. That would that would be great. Um, now the counseling within schools it isn't all perfect. Uh, so what are some things that that you think might be missing? Or you know, let's say people are listening to this and they're in the education field and they're thinking of ways to support students better. Um, what, what are some ways that we can do that? Yeah. You know, I think that's a really great question. And in fact, I'm actually currently, uh, writing a guide for educators, um, to deal with, um, fostering critical conversations with students, especially in light of post COVID black lives matters. And this guide is, is, um, going to be called how was your summer right because that's going to be a loaded question for yeah for uh, many students and families you know um but i would say that um you know there's always room for improvement i think really um the first step is to have uh to be teachable you know to have that mindset that you know there's always something that I can learn. And, you know, it's funny because we always tell students, like, you have to have an open mind and, you know, a growth mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, but that applies to us as well, True. you know, as counselors and educators. And so I would say um, that we can really uh, challenge ourselves to say, okay, you know, what can I learn? Uh, And even, observing other schools and models and say okay you know what can i learn from this school or what is that Mm -hmm. school doing well when it comes to mental health right versus seeing um other schools and models as our competition but to say what can we learn from each other and how can we collaborate uh in a county and district level to really um grow in in this area yeah, there are a lot of teachers that are that are probably not sure how to have these conversations. Uh, you know, if school does go back, it's going to go back in in one way or another. Um, would you be able to share a couple examples from the book that you're working on? Um, some of these activities just to help people think to how to phrase things to to have these conversations. Some people don't know, um, you know, how to proceed. What's a first step for them? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that is that is really a, a good point. And, you know, I am sensitive to to this. And, you know, I just want to say this book, of course, you know, doesn't answer all the questions. But um, I do start off with some quick do's and don'ts, right? Uh, some things that, mm-hmm. you know, as educators and counselors, we need to agree on in order to, to make this mm-hmm. work. And so I do talk about the importance of creating a safe place um, and the importance of developing trust. Because I do believe that, you know, as an educator and even as a counselor, especially, um, if you don't have that trust and that rapport, 
uh, it's you know anything you say, it's gonna sound like you know the Charlie Brown womp womp womp. You know, <laughs> in one ear, out the other, the student's gonna be like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, especially the older ones, right? And so, um, I think that's crucial. And then, um, I do talk about engagement tips and different. Uh, rules. And I think that, you know, students get, it's important to get students involved. So I'll say, okay, you know, guys, we're going to do some reflection time activities, that's what I call it, 15 minutes, maybe once a week. Um, Let's come up with some rules because, you know, students also have to trust each other and feel safe. Um, And so an example of an activity Hmm. that I uh, talk about Actually, you know, to be quite blunt, not the first activity, but one of the activities is dealing with COVID-19. And so, for example, asking students to write about or draw a picture of the thoughts and feelings that they had after they had to stop physically attending school and practice social isolation, you know. You know, last spring, that was was challenging. And, you know, for younger students, Mm You know, I have different um, videos that they can watch that can facilitate this process. And so I do break down the activities according to, you know, different grade and age categories so that it can apply uh, to different stages. And so this guide is going to be geared towards K through 12. Um, and let's say for old students, high school students could, you know, find clippings from the news. It can be a project, television, or online sources, and really use yeah. those images, you know, of course, where appropriate, right, um, to yeah. talk about, you know, the ideas that may come up for them. And in addition to that, I do have activities that help teach children techniques as a toolbox to help them to cope with these challenging conversations. So in every activity um, is followed by a coping skill or strategy like the elevator down technique or the um, grounding and deep breathing technique. So mm-hmm. I, I do believe that's important, not only for students, but even adults to learn how to ground themselves, especially when we start to feel overwhelmed. Yeah, that's that's really important to think about. Um, so you would say it's it's essential for teachers in the fall to sort of sort of tackle these issues in one way or another. For sure, for sure, because you know I believe that what we experience, you know, every person has been touched by, you know, the impact, you know of social isolation and everything that we have viewed on our screens in relation to the, you know, the Black Lives Lost. And Mm -hmm. I believe we were collectively impacted to the point where uh, if we relied, let's say, on one school counselor or social worker to address the whole student body, you know, you would need to Mm -hmm. hire a team. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if we, let's be honest, you know, uh, I don't know how other cities are doing, but you know, I, you know, brotherly love of Philadelphia. I don't know if we could handle that at the moment, you know, real talk. And so, you know, and, you know, I think too, as teachers, you know, tapping into our own 
humanity to say, you know what, I felt that this was difficult too. This was hard for me. And like I said, this is, you know, this is only 15 minutes, maybe once a week, you know. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's powerful because that student would say, wow, like you get me. And, you know, mm -hmm. that bond is really important. Yeah, I, I appreciate you said that earlier, the 15 minute portion um you know good to, if they can have more but i appreciate that you uh reiterated that because some some people are like okay well you know how often and and that's good to sort of give a starting point you know have these reflections 15 minutes a week and and your book that will be coming out um you know does does will guide through some of that and and thinking about your books you're also um an author of children's books um I would like to hear a little bit about what motivated you to start writing these children's books. Sure, sure. Yes. You know, to be honest with you, my own two sons motivated me <laughs> to write these books. Um, the first book, Fridays with Miss Milan Haiti, was actually born out of frustration because mm. I wanted to teach my six-year-old son about the history of Haiti, but could not find a book to do that. Um, I, I think the closest thing I found was a chapter book. And so my husband said, well, why don't you write it? And so, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll just, you know, put something together for the house, almost like that house t-shirt, you know, that you wear, you wouldn't wear out. But <laughs> I really started putting so much work into the book. Um, I thought, you know what, why not share this with others? It might really be mm. something, you know, useful. And so I went ahead and published it and created, you know, my own publishing company really to have the flexibility to create books that uh, really talked about challenging topics in a kid appropriate way and to have the freedom to do that. And so all the books that I uh, write, you know, really focus on creating those critical thinking skills. Yeah. And if you could talk about your, your second book as well. Um, I would like to hear about that. Okay. Yeah. So the second one um, is um, called Mama, Can I Sleep With You Tonight? Helping Children Cope with the Impact of COVID-19. And my youngest son, who's four, <laughs> I kid you not, on April 5th at 3 a.m., woke me up to talk about his real fears and big feelings oh, around wow. COVID. And he's a night processor, so this is not like something... That's once in a while. He does this every now and then, you know, so we're kind of used to it. So, but um, for some reason, I couldn't go back to sleep. You know, after that, he went to sleep and I was just flooded with ideas, Matt. You know, I thought about what I observed from other children in our community, from working with families, through my virtual counseling and, and clients. And I, you know, all these ideas came to me. So I started you know, on my phone, I typed the draft to this book. I kid you not, by 6 a.m., my husband woke up and he was, I was like, you got to hear this draft. He was looking at me like, <laughs> what in the world? And after I shared this draft with him, he said, oh, my word. He said, that hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, I felt all those feelings one day at work. Wow. And he's like, you gotta, you gotta uh, publish this. And that's when I knew like I had to do it, you know, because I feel like every great children's story is really for adults too, yeah. you know? Yeah. How how do you feel like this book has been helpful um, for kids to hear? You know, um, from what I've, uh, reviews I've received from parents, um, parents have told me how it has really helped their child to open up, to talk about, um, 
their feelings but maybe of sadness or frustration surrounded um the social distancing and has given them really the vocabulary mm. to do that especially with younger children because sometimes they do struggle with finding the words and um at the end of the book i do talk about the five stages of grief and i provide um free resources for parents um to gain as access to so that they can um you know do more work uh with their children and you know examples are like you know really validating our children saying like simply you know this is hard for me too you know really looking them in the eye you know get on the floor with them um engaging in play and art um, i also talk about the importance of allowing them to share their maybe negative feelings right frustration and anger without shame mm -hmm. you know a lot of times we shame them or sometimes we even shame ourselves like oh i shouldn't yeah. be mad or, yeah well you, you could be frustrated go punch a pillow <laughs> and then maybe look win-win situation you get so tired you take a nap and you know the parents get a little break so yeah let your children find appropriate ways to let it all out because you know really what that does matt is really it calms down their central nervous system and allows them to 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 stabilize themselves that's interesting i never really thought about it the the physical interaction that it, that a child might need to express mm -hmm. um i do want to shift gears and, and keep the conversation moving um talking about your youtube channel story time with miss melange and i uh, i'm assuming this is the same character from your first book and and within this youtube channel she's reading you're reading uh, diverse children's books. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that and maybe what uh, some of the most recent books you've read? Yeah, Matt, to be honest with you, the idea to create a YouTube channel came way before um, writing, you know, as an author. I really did this to really highlight um, diverse picture books uh, for my own sons and for other children. And at the end of each, uh, book that I read on that channel, I end with a question to really, you know, promote uh, critical thinking skills. And, you know, I really believe that, you know, children, it's important for them to, to see that diversity in books and to see open the world to different cultures around them. And I also uh, have my books there so that it's accessible to all. I didn't want there to be any, um, you know, um, barriers for, for someone who, well, you know, purchasing children books, it may not be the first thing on my mind because, you know, I'm dealing with uh, the fact that I'm trying to make ends meet and I lost my job, right? And so um, this is a way for them to gain access to those kind of books. And so, some of the books that I have on, on this channel for Storytime with Miss Melange are, for example, I have um, this book called The Skin You Live In. Uh, B is for Breathe. This is a book by another mental health professional, Dr. Melissa Boyd, who talks about um, coping skills from A to Z. It really helps young children to learn how to deal with anxiety and stress. Um, I have books about uh, how to code a sandcastle, you know, science, technology, books about um, sports, 
Game Changers, the story of Venus and Serena Williams from history. I am Martin Luther King. So even books about um, boundaries, your body belongs to you. And so, I mean, you, if you can think of it, it's, it's probably a topic in there somewhere. And if you have suggestions, you know, I say people send them to me because I'm always trying to grow the channel. But yeah, thanks for asking about that. That's great. And that's great that you also have a heart for access, um, you know, making your materials um, accessible to, to whoever can do that. And, and YouTube is a great a great tool. So we're, uh, we're coming to the end here. We're at the reflection uh, portion of our episode. Um, yeah. And I, as I'm thinking about our conversation, I just appreciate your insight and sharing your experiences with us. It's just so valuable um, to hear that, you know, coming in to, to education. And I really want to conclude this conversation with a bit of reflection. I want us to, uh, I really want you to think about, uh, our conversation, the stuff that we're talking about, and maybe a bit how we can apply that to education. So yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, I, I always say to educators, to counselors, principals, you know, we have a great <laughs> task before us and we have to realize mm. that we're not alone and it's okay to, to acknowledge that, wait, I don't know if I have the bandwidth to do all this, you know, yeah. you know, not to be honest with you, you know, as a counselor, I'm always the first to admit that I also get counseling because I'm human. Mm. And, you know, and so it's important for us in these radical times to really practice radical self-care. And mm. so I would say to really, um, you know, seek support, ask for help. You know, we don't have to have it all together. And, you know, also get parents involved with, you know, because it's only so much we can do uh, without the community involvement. And I believe that this will take that load and make it more manageable. Oh, that's that's wonderful advice to to close um, the episode with. But before we do, we have plugs. Jenny, what do you want to plug tonight? Sure. For those who want to follow me, definitely check out my website at CobbsCreekPublishing.com. You can also find find me on Instagram at Cobbs Creek Publishing. And if you're interested in virtual therapy, check me out at Psychology Today. Okay, cool. And we will link all of those as well in the show. So you can follow Jenny, get in touch, connect with her. Um, Jenny, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your insight. And to those of you listening, thank you for tuning in to this Knowledge Drop episode. If you like this episode, subscribe, share it out, post a review on Apple Podcasts. All of those things will help get our podcast out to more people. Until next time, keep rethinking EDU. Thank you.